0: Good morning, middle. Good morning. Let's open our hearts and our ears as we receive the call to worship. Holy God, you know each of us and love us fully. You made us in your image, each one here and online. And all, our diversity is a reflection of your spirit, your grace, and your power. We are amazingly beautifully made. Help us see you and know you in our celebration today so that we grow as agents of your world, transforming truth and soul and liberating love. Come, let us worship the divine. And all God's children said, amen. Amen. my blessing right now to be able to invite the friends who are joining us today. We have a number of folks who have been in our new uh, new member class for the past two weeks and I invite them to come forward. This is your cue. Everyone, yeah, please come on up so that everyone can see you.
1: So Middle Church is a movement of love and justice, and today we celebrate with these new members that Middle is their church. Friends, just as you are, as you come through the door, we welcome you.
0: Membership means signing on for the vision of God's reign, participating in our congregational life, proclaiming that you belong to God and you will use your gifts generously for God's work. Membership means claiming God's claim on you.
2: And so we have just a couple of questions to ask y'all. So excited that you'd um, join us in this way. Do you claim Middle Church? And ready. (laughs) Do you claim Middle Church as your church? If so, say, I do. Will you give with your heart your gifts to this congregation and to the larger church? If so, say, I will. Will Will you love and share with this community and the ministry of Jesus? If so, say, I will.
3: Will
2: Will you learn and study so as to grow in faith? If so, say, I will. I will.
0: And to the congregation, do you promise to love, encourage, and support these people of God by being the gospel of God's love and by giving the strong support of God's people in prayer and in deed? If so, say, we will. We will. Amen.
4: Will you all tell us your names?
0: Francis Robinson. Ron Lange. Sunil Uman. Wesley Rowell.
4: Welcome home. And now, let us say a prayer together. God of grace and God of mercy, thank you for these new members. Thank you, God, for who we will become now that they are here with us. Make us more like you, God, in all we say and do, Help us all to continue to be your hands and feet in this world. Thank you for these new additions. Amen. Amen. And now receive this middle welcome in song.
5: heart, friends. This is the message for all ages. We have Darren spreading the blanket for us, and I have We Care buddies and friends coming using the stairs from all sides. We are so happy you're here because we are celebrating graduates today. Yes. All ages of graduates. All ages and all different stages of life. And you don't have training wheels on your bike anymore. That's another way to graduate. That is such a cool tidbit I heard you share with your friend. You guys, usually we kind of turn into a circle here. I'm wondering today, can you look out there so your faces are seen by all the grown-ups out there and you can see maybe some graduate faces out there too. This is a big transition time of year. You might be, I bet Mama's out there. Oh, there's Mama. Yep, I see. I see the hands. So we have a lot of transitions. Some of us might be moving to a new grade, and some of us are making extra big transitions if we're graduating to a new stage of our academic life or new season of life. So if you are graduating from pre-K, can you stand up carefully right now, pre-K graduates? Yes, you know who you are. You can stay standing. If you are graduating from kindergarten, stand up. Kindergarten, yes. If you are graduating from elementary school, stand up. Yes. Soraya and Zemi, yes. If you're graduating from middle school, Anyone finishing 8th grade? Anyone finishing high school, high school seniors. Okay, college, if you're graduating from undergraduate, stand up. <laughs> Woo! So, young friends, you got to watch who's standing up out here cuz you're going to help give them a card during Sia Humba. Now, if you're graduating with a master's, doctorate or a certificate or training program, please stand up. Okay, keep eyes on all those grown-ups. We celebrate you today. Let's say a prayer of gratitude for all these transitions and all these new beginnings as we go to new grades or new schools. You can link up with your friend and repeat after me, Dear God, Dear God. thank you for all these changes. Thank you for all these- and that, you are with us. and that you are with us. We celebrate all graduates today. We celebrate all graduates today. Amen. 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 Let's sing humba, and Miss Sarah will help you make sure our big, big grown-up graduates get cards too. Let's sing. Mm-hmm.
2: Middle family. I say good morning. Happy Pride. Happy Juneteenth week. Yeah. Yeah. Does everybody know what Juneteenth is? Okay. Should I say it? Okay. June 19th, 1865. The remaining Africans enslaved in Texas, some 150,000 of them or so because folks had been marching their slaves, their property to Texas so they could avoid the whole Emancipation Proclamation, which had happened two and a half years earlier. So on that day, the general who took over Galveston read a piece that said, property no longer having the same rights as white people, Woohoo! And there were big celebrations, uh, lots of Africans escaped that day, some swam across the river, some got killed escaping. But the next year was the very first um, Juneteenth Liberation Day. Just like right after Stonewall, the next year was the first Pride March. So on Wednesday night, we put those two liberation pieces together, Juneteenth and Pride, and it was a show-nuff party. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, really. We danced. Even in the sanctuary, we had amazing art, which is still on the wall, a beautiful queer faith exhibit created by Union Theological Seminary. You must go look in here and on the fourth floor. Ruby Sales held court uh, in the parlor for those of us who stuck around afterwards. So thank you, and Middle Church, you raised $14,000. And we started the Ruby Sales Gary Rankin, both members of our church. Gary passed away in March. He marched with Harvey Milk out in San Francisco as the Pride movement began. The Ruby Sales Gary Ranker Fund for Racial and LGBTQI Plus Liberation. Yeah. So that's that's the, that's the way, that's, that's the money we're going to use, your offering toward it, that's the money we're going to use uh, to do work at the intersections of race and sexuality. Somebody say amen. amen. So that was awesome. My staff rocked it. Thank you everybody who made it happen. Volunteers made it happen. It was amazing. Um, today, right as we Benedict, we're going to have a really short Congregational Conversation, where I'm going to update you on a couple things. So please, when I Benedict, I'm just going to ask you to take a quick seat, and we will do that together. Wednesday night, um, we're going to have some special Pride Month moments at Marble Church, their Wednesday night worship they call WeWO, and our first openly gay senior minister in the collegiate church, Will Kritzman, is preaching at 6 o'clock at Marble Church, and at 7 o'clock, you can zoom into a conversation with me on queering theology. I mean, it's one thing for us to know that we are open and affirming and lovely, but your friends ask you why, don't they? They say, why, 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 why do you believe that? And our haters wonder about that. So we're going to just talk about the theologies of welcome and how we get there. Zoom, register on the uh, homepage and let me know you're going to come and we'll have that conversation together. Um, of course, next week is Pride Sunday, last Sunday in June. You know it's kind of like Christmas here, so we'll, we'll do Christmas uh, twice, we'll eat some food, we're going to turn on some music and dance, people dance, because we won't leave until about 3 o'clock to go uh, to the march. So wear your dancing shoes, wear your marching shoes. How many of you are going out in the beautiful day to march? for pride, amen, and I think more of you by the time we get there, you'll do it. There's lots of things going on, so just, I, I can feel you thinking, mm mm-hmm, and I'm, yeah, I'm wanting you to come. Today, we have beautiful things happening, including three lay people preaching, lay, lay queer folks leading worship, and uh, uh, also a beautiful offering asked by a, a new member named Rod. I'm giving the mic to Amanda, because we are going to anoint some people.
6: prayers for the people, we are commissioning a group of 15, 11 youth and 4 adults who will travel on July 1st for a week of long service and cultural learning to Puerto Rico. I invite everyone. It's a dream come true. I invite everyone participating in this trip to please come forward and stand with us now. There you go. Here they are. Yes, at Middle Church, we create
4: space for young people to explore God and their connection to God all the time. We teach values
6: such as love, service, generosity, and creating a just world. This youth service and cultural learning trip is an extension of this work, focusing on economics, radical and environmental justice. Today, we gather as neighbors to send you out to other
4: neighbors. We celebrate that we are connected to each other across different places, languages, and times. We worship a God who has been sending and calling since the beginning of time, and celebrate today, raise your hand as your name is called, God sending and calling, Kaelin, Kaelin's right here, Catalina, Arian, Lamari, Marcus, Liam, Ethan, Christian, Lucian, Ellington, Gigi, Marta, Jorge, Katrina, and Edna. yes, we rejoice that you will meet new neighbors with whom you will walk with to embody the love of God as you learn and work to rebuild post-Hurricane Maria. And now, after each stanza that Edna or I say next, please stay together, Middle Church and team,
6: love, love God, God love, love, neighbor, love neighbor, love period.
4: So may you go to be present with one another and with those whom you encounter.
6: Love God, love neighbor, love we go to make a change for good in our lives and the lives of others. Love God. Love neighbor. Love theory. May you go to
4: experience God in new and powerful ways. Love, love God. Love neighbor. Love fear.
6: We we go so we can come back empowered to work for just for a just world and uh, for all. Love God.
4: Now hear this blessing. As you go, know that we go with you. Awed by God's wonder, grateful for the parents and parent figures who entrust you with our care. Go with our prayers, knowing that God goes with you and that God is already there. Know that we will work together upon your return for a just world for all. Amen. Amen. Yep. Uh huh. Thank you. And now, everyone, please stand and uh, join across the aisle as we say together a important prayer that we never forget to say. That is printed in your bulletin. Ever loving and holy God. <laughs> love, joy, and peace with one another. May the peace of God be with you.
7: We're gonna sing a little song for you, middle, but we're gonna have you join in as well. So we don't just be spectators all the time. It's training at uh, activists so that you're always active and affirming. today, middle. You were made perfect just the way you were. Fully intended
8: to be. God made me. God made me. God God made me. God made me me who I am. Let that be your prayer and your intention and your mantra.
9: Good morning. morning. Anyone who was here for the earlier service knows I have a tough act to follow, but I'll do my best. This is Psalm 139, the message. God, investigate my life. Get all the facts firsthand. I'm an open book to you. Even from a distance, you know what I'm thinking. You know when I leave and when I get back, I'm never out of your sight. You know everything I'm going to say before I start the first sentence. I look behind me and you're there, then up ahead and you're there too. Your reassuring presence coming and going. This is too much, too wonderful. I can't take it all in. Is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit, to be out of your sight? If I climb to the sky, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. If I flew on morning's wings to the far western horizon, you'd find me in a minute. You're already there waiting. Then I said to myself, oh, he even sees me in the dark. At night, I'm immersed in the light. It's a fact, darkness isn't dark to you. Night and day, darkness and light, they're all the same to you. Oh yes, you shaped me first inside then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God, you're breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made bit by bit. How I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I'd even lived one day. Your thoughts, How rare and beautiful. God, I'll never comprehend them. I couldn't even begin to count them any more than I could count the sand of the sea. Oh, let me rise in the morning and live always with you. And please, God, do away with wickedness for good. And you murderers out there, get out of here. All the men and women who belittle you, God, Infatuated with cheap God imitations, see how I hate those who hate you, God. See how I loathe all this godless arrogance. I hate it with pure, unadulterated hatred. Your enemies are my enemies. Investigate my life, oh God. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong, and then guide me on the road to eternal life.
10: Amen, amen. Good morning, Middle. What a word. God, investigate me, try me, search me cross-examine and test me. Get all up in my business. This text begins and ends with a plea from King David for God to come closer and get to know him in a deep and uninhibited way, uncovered with no holds barred. It is an earnest and beautiful request, but to me as a gay black man, this call to radical intimacy is also utterly terrifying. For you see, I, like many other gay black men, have become an expert in hiding. I spent years in the closet believing that who I was was unacceptable to the world and could be fixed if I just dated a few women or prayed hard enough. Spoiler alert, didn't work. (laughs) But even as I mustered the courage to come out, I found myself, like many of my queer black siblings, still hiding. We hide in white spaces so we won't be seen as too black, too educated, too exceptional. We dare not pose too much a threat to the delicate lie of white supremacy. For history has taught us that the consequences of being too uppity, too out of our place, can cost us our livelihoods, if not our lives. One has to only look at the history of lynching in America from Montgomery to Ferguson to Staten Island to see that the state is still designed to keep us in our place. We hide in straight spaces because we are, they are often not safe for queer people. We question the simplest things like, can we hold hands here? because there is always the risk that someone will hurl a slur or a punch. We hide in queer spaces because they are often not emotionally safe spaces for people of color. White gay culture regularly co opts black culture while dehumanizing black bodies, either by fetishizing us or altogether ignoring us. Yes, even in queer communities, white supremacy still reigns supreme. We hide in black spaces because we fear our families, friends and churches will reject our true selves or, after we have come out, constantly police our identities by being sort of okay if we're gay, as long as we aren't too gay, too loud and proud, too affectionate with our partners, too audacious to demand our place in the institution of marriage. And I say today, ain't nobody got time for that kind of thinking. And yes, we hide from God because we are taught that who we are is a sin, and we must be ashamed of our sin. We are like Adam and Eve, lusting after forbidden fruit and then hiding ourselves from our creator upon realizing our shameful nakedness. Therefore, nearly in every space we inhabit, every relationship into which we enter, we have some element of hiding, of holding back, because we have been taught that this is what we must do to survive in a world that is not made for us and for which our existence is often an accommodation, not a celebration. Therefore, this text, this call to radical intimacy, is utterly terrifying. And why do we need God to search us anyway? The text goes to great lengths to describe how God knows so much about us already. They know our thoughts before we think them. We can go to the highest heights and God is there. We go to the lowest depths and God is there. Before we were formed in our mother's wombs, God knit us all together. There's nowhere we can go to escape the presence of God. They are, after all, God, like G-O-D. Anything I could do would never measure up. So why are we asking God to search us if God already knows about us and we're going to be cosmically called out for every single fault we have? What's the use in that? Perhaps we can find some clarity in the part of the chapter in which David writes, I am marvelously made. Or in another translation, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And it took me years to accept this statement because I was so invested in the narrative that I, like Adam and Eve, had my own shame and metaphorical nakedness to cover up. But the text is clear. I am fearfully and wonderfully made, without qualifications or caveats, not in spite of any part of my identity, but because of every part of my identity. Every part of me has purpose. Black, gay, male, conforming, non-conforming, the impatient parts, the petty parts, the corny sense of humor parts, The perfectionist parts, and yes, the letting go of perfectionism parts. And I don't know what parts of you you think are incompatible with the divine, but I want you to reflect on them briefly. And then instead of pushing them away, pull them close to you. Because God put them there. God stitched them into who you are for a reason. Yes, indeed, God made me. God made you who you are. When I acknowledge that I am just the way God intended me to be, then suddenly the idea of being searched by God no longer feels threatening. For it is not an opportunity for God to judge my imperfections, but rather an act of love, vulnerability, and radical intimacy between creator and creation. Giving God, from whom I can hide absolutely nothing, permission to speak truth to me. I can hide from others, I can choose which parts I'm going to share, I can edit and pivot as the situation requires, but I can't hide from God. And when I, when we, are open to building a relationship with that level of vulnerability and radical intimacy, we open ourselves up to the true transformative power of God. And yes, God may occasionally have, or frequently have in my case, some corrective feedback. (laughs) But maybe on the whole, God just delights in my presence the way I delight in theirs. Maybe like loving parents, God just wants to spend time searching me and getting to know me, laughing at my corny jokes, celebrating the small wins, picking me up when I fall. Because although God made me, perhaps God has much to learn from me the same way I have much to learn from God. The same way parents teach their children and are also taught by their children. Going back to the story of Adam and Eve, I am reminded that even before Adam and Eve believed the lie of their inadequacy and ate the fruit from the tree to become God-like, they were already God-liked. I'll say that again, they were already God-liked. God already liked and loved them just as they were. The creation story tells us that God had a relationship with them, God came down in the cool of the day just to be with them. They were enough for God just the way they were. And so too are we enough for God, just the way we are. God investigate me, try me, search me, cross-examine and test me. Get all up in my business. Let's be vulnerable and radically intimate.
7: Thank you, and well done, my brother Ivan, yes. I titled this sermon, uh, To See Me is to Love Me. It actually took me a while to connect with the text. Uh, At first, I think it was my Catholic guilt kind of rising up inside me. (laughs) This idea that God was watching my every action growing up, that had huge impact on me as an adolescent and how I connected with my family and my culture growing up as a gay Puerto Rican uh, man in Philadelphia. But upon further reflection of this text that Reverend Jackie Joe's, I began to see divinity in the words. They spoke to me in some beautiful ways. They also started to feel, I'll say frankly, a little bit creepy. <laughs> so here's a particular part that calls out to me. I'm an open book to you, even from a distance. You know what I'm thinking. You know when I leave and when I get back. I'm never out of your sight. Hmm, yeah, that's a little <laughs> bit creepy. So I... I think about my upbringing because, you see, I'm the youngest of 45 first-generation cousins that migrated from Puerto Rico to live in Philadelphia. Uh, And and we watched over each other. That's just what we did, right? What I experienced as a young man in this village might be equivalent of the in-real-life version of the tech-enabled future that we live in today. Today, we're living in a burgeoning economy that's based on surveillance, a surveillance economy. Not only is God watching, but seemingly God-like figures are watching too, with our phones, on social media. We're all being watched. And to what end? So this reflection now has me questioning so much about this moment in history. If it is our time, our moment, our calling to be part of the resistance, then it might be important for us to start asking questions like, what does it mean to be seen? What does it mean to be seen by God? And what does it mean to see like God sees? Let me tackle the first one through a personal anecdote. What does it mean to be seen? Being a Puerto Rican heritage and growing up, my mom's mom, my Abuela Santa, meaning saint, was like a second mother to me. Abuela had nine children, eight girls, one boy, she lived a hard life, made more difficult by an abusive partner who was an alcoholic. My grandmother lived to share many stories with me about the family and she enjoyed reminiscing. But there was one story she never quite got to tell me fully. You see, being curious about her life and ancestry, I went on to ancestry.com after asking her, you know, tell me your parents' names. And there in the, seconds, in the census records, I saw some fascinating things. First, a change in her racial identity across decennial census. 1920, white. 1930, black. 1940, mulatto. The real surprise, though, was that my grandmother had a sister. She was about 18 years older, uh, who no one had ever talked about. This prompted me to ask her. Her parents had uh, died before abuela had turned nine years old. So that means her sister was 27. So I said, Abuela, why, after your parents had passed, did you not go on to live with your sister? How did you end up with my grandfather at the age of 14? I asked her these questions, but quite frankly, I was disappointed by the response. She really did not answer them fully. But she did say one thing, that she fell in love with my grandfather, and that was that. So in my case, census records answered some questions, raised some questions, and it really just left me unsatisfied. But I feel that it was in the non-telling of Abuela's story that I saw her differently. Our family trauma might actually be deeper than I had imagined. Yet in what felt like an instant, I felt as though I saw her whole self for the first time. So what does it mean to be seen by God? At the age of 25, I came out to my parents. What was personally significant for me was that in this moment, um, I had just taken a trip to Puerto Rico back in 2001. And in search of connection with other gay Puerto Rican men, I encountered machismo, an odd mix of self-hate and gender stereotypes within the LGBTQ community in San Juan. There, I felt like an outsider. Upon returning home to Philadelphia, I was determined not to succumb life in a gay ghetto, marginalized by my own people. No matter what the repercussions of my coming out, I did not want to live that life. This was a moment of divine intervention for me. My parents cried when I told them I was gay. I did not cry. And it was in my resolution that my mother saw me fully. In a new light, So much so that within weeks, my parents had joined PFLAG, or Parents and Friends of Lesbians and Gays. And so it's in the eyes of my parents, I saw God looking back at me. And what they saw was good. They loved me. And their son, they could only choose to love. I never felt rejected by them, and I thank God for that. Finally, what does it mean to see like God sees? HIV, AIDS, or gay cancer, as it was commonly referred to at the time in the 1980s, took so many countless souls. We lost a generation of activists. 100,000 people in New York alone succumbed to the AIDS e- epidemic in the 80s and 90s. That was 25% of the deaths across the nation at the time. Many souls were laid to rest in a potter's field on Hard Island in the Bronx. And in a New York Times article, I stopped in my tracks on a quote by a visual artist, Melinda Hunt, with a mission to create a searchable database of the people who were buried there. And she says, part of the history of the AIDS epidemic is buried on Heart Island. And it's the unknown part. Even many AIDS experts and doctors, nurses, hospital administrators and advocates with key roles during that time um, do not know much about the victims on the island. Who were they and why did they end up there? To me, to see like Miss Hunt sees, I think, is to see like God sees. It means looking to the margins of the overlooked souls that walked and still walk on this earth. To seek out untold stories is an act of dignity. It means not glossing over history. It means valuing every life And believing that each precious life has an impact on someone, if not all of us. Because as my mom used to say, we are all connected. Seeing like God sees means seeing all of humanity. But I must say, you cannot see me and not see that HIV-AIDS infection rates are growing at unprecedented rates among Black and Latinx communities while we celebrate marriage equality, but lack access to affordable health care and preventative resources. You. You, cannot, you cannot see me and not see the growing number of LGBTQ asylum seekers coming to the United States being placed in concentration camps Alongside our brothers and sisters who have the human right, the human right to a better life. You cannot see me and not see and know that 40% of homeless youth here in New York City are here because they have been rejected by their families for being gay, lesbian, transgender, or gender non conforming. You cannot see me and not see how our modern economy, the tech based, surveillance economy builds wealth for less than 1% on the bits and bytes and stories of black, brown, and LGBTQIA creators that that do not reap the benefits, that do not reap fully the benefits. These are the untold stories we must tell. Seeing that we are all connected, this is what it means to see like God sees. And I believe this place, Middle Church, is ground zero for our awakening. Jackie asked me to end with a call to action. And so I just want to share a brief anecdote about in 2020, the next decennial census will go online. And we know that historically communities of color have been undercounted. The Supreme Court of the United States will soon rule on the inclusion of the citizenship question. We estimate that including that question will not only lead to undercounting 6.5 million people, largely immigrant communities, undocumented people, people of color who have the right to be counted, but also possibly overestimate or double count the number of white identifying people in this country to favor how $800 billion of congressional funding is appropriated as well as to determine redistricting and representation in Congress over the next decade, over the next decade. I see census as a tool for acknowledging the dignity of every living being within our borders. And we must show love and stand in solidarity with immigrant, immigrant rights groups to ensure a complete and accurate count. To see me is to love And here at MIDDLE, I know that we have the know-how to affect what happens next, because we believe that love transforms. May these words be received by you and with the blessings of the God.
1: They are so dope, I love it. Um, So during our feedback, Jackie encouraged me to slow down um, but brunch reservations waits for no one, so no promises. <laughs> Hashtag facts. All right, um, I'm absolutely blown away by this love letter to God. Consider this like an ancient version of um, a response to God's OK Cupid profile. Here we find the psalmist responding to all the promises God made about who God wants to be in their life and how deep God's commitment is. If we rise to heaven, there God is. If we lay down in hell, God is there too. See, God is calling on all of us to rest in knowing that no matter where we find ourselves, God will always lovingly meet us there. And this pronouncement of love, it feels amazing. However, for many of us, this also requires us to penetrate years of stuff. Stuff that blocks our understanding of self, stuff that covers open wounds, stuff that hides the innate dopeness of who we be. See, narratives that we've been told over and over, and many we've self-imposed, you know, like broken promises that led to broken hearts, that icky family dynamic that made you hide your authentic you, news reports that attempt to erase or discount your entire being, or the lie that your body is not your own. See, I'm calling BS on all of that, and I'm choosing to stand in the gap and share a new version, a new vision, a remix, if you will. See, we're being called in this time to step away from the rhetoric and move closer to a revelation. You have been fearfully and wonderfully called to live a bold life according to who God has called you to be. In this text, the writer acknowledges their status as bay. They say, you are the one who put me together inside my mother's body. And I praise you because of your wonderful way you created me. Everything you do is marvelous. Of this I have no doubt. Now, see, I wasn't really raised with the idea that I was part of God's plan for this world. As an openly gay black man, salvation and ministry, unfortunately, these were my dreams deferred. Two of the things that make me great were seen as a yoke or burden that needed to be broken or prayed away. You know, see, I was raised around a bunch of folks who only knew that one version of God, you know, the one that looks like Santa Claus, but he's got muscles, holding a lightning bolt ready to strike you at the slightest misstep. I thank God for deliverance from all of that mess. But through all of that, I was always clear that God was cool with Darren. And it's interesting that this full circle moment, I was typically drawn to this chunk of the Bible, because in verses 15 and 16, the psalmist slides into God's DM and says, nothing about me is hidden from you. I was secretly woven together out of human sight, but with your own eyes, you saw my body being formed. Even before I was born, you had written in your book everything about me. So check that. Before your parents knew you, God was there. Now, honey, that's a serious commitment. But God's always been clear about their interest in us. See, God is into us so deep that every morning we're given a breath, which is a reminder of the matchless favor that we all are entitled to. The shining sun is a glimmer of the abounding grace that we're fortunate to partake in. And a gentle breeze, baby, it refreshes those tender mercies that we are promised over and over again. See, God really wants us all to get this, that as long as breath expands our chest, we have yet another chance to walk deeper into our destiny, yet another chance to get it right. The us who are marginalized, the us who are celebrated, the us who are whole, and maybe even the us who are broken. Now, we're all equal recipients of God's transformative love, and we should say thank you every chance we get. But how? Now, see, this is where your part comes in. That's up to you. Now, for me, I like to speak to people who don't think like I do so I can counter that trash narrative, you know, the one that says it LGBTQ+, it's a fad, it's a phase, or maybe even fodder for political or religious debate, or even that other lie, oh, pardon me, lies that are on the line. We have to decide in this very moment not on our watch. See. So for me, trans persons are sacred vessels, female bodies, they are not commodities to be traded on some legislative floor. Flint, Haiti, and Puerto Rico, they still need clean water, and trust and believe, black lives must matter. However, but in order for these things to come to life, we have to realize that our gifts are not about us. We are blessed. We have to make an impact in this world. See, this is with our time, talents, and treasures so we can connect our resources to the people, places, and things that we say we want the world to look like. We say it all the time here at Middle, but it bears repeating. Y'all are the ones that this world has been waiting for, and it's time for us to get off our butts and move. Now, family, we're also called to live a life of abundance. In the Bible, it says, give, and it will be given unto you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. So for the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, part of Darren says that sounds like a margarita recipe. (laughs) But my heart knows in truth. It's saying, give what you have when you can in ways that make sense for you. We're all called to be the person that you wish your 15-year-old self could have looked up to. Be the person that speaks life into those negative spaces that we all run into. Be the person that changes the world for people who don't live on your block, all whilst walking with a God who will always swipe right on you. See, we get to (laughs) say, hashtag wolf. Um, (laughs) See, we get to decide what that abundance looks like. Now, for me, that means life, peace, joy, freedom, bottomless brunch, and love. What about you?
11: the triumvirate. Let's hear it again for the preachers. Good afternoon, Middle. My name's Rod Colburn. My pronouns are he, him, and his. And I'm here to tell you something this afternoon that I've never said before, uh, and uh, except uh, maybe to myself, quietly in private. Uh, It certainly hasn't been heard in these walls uh, until today. Thank you, Donald Trump. Whoa. What in the world, you ask? What are you talking about, Rod? Let me explain. Because before his improbable nomination, an incomprehensible election, There are already huge problems in America and with American Christianity, but of those problems I was only partially aware. As the shocking and horrifying new reality pummeled me in the wee hours of November 9th, 2016, my world changed. The tectonic plates beneath my soul shook violently. As in the biblical phrase, The scales fell from my eyes, and I could see. I could see the huge problems, those great evils, that profound injustice, which had always been there. I just couldn't see them. I knew from observing Donald Trump for 25 years from my Wall Street vantage point that any political party in any religion that could support such a person to lead the world were without any doubt morally bankrupt. The Republican Party and American Christianity, even more distressingly, had pledged their collective allegiance to the most unChrist-like public figure I had ever seen. And yes, whether they realized it or not, the majority of American Christians had thus turned their backs on Jesus. That meant that I, as a card-carrying, Republican, evangelical Christian, go ahead and boo, (laughs) was suddenly standing in an unjustifiable, indefensible place, and it was time to leave, quickly. So my lifelong journey from right to left along the political spectrum and the spiritual spectrum suddenly accelerated from a crawl to a sprint because of Donald Trump, which is why I stand here today. Not to praise him, but to thank him. Since that faithful day, the learnings, the realizations, the revelations have come thick and fast, and I won't trouble you with even a fraction of them, but I do wanna share two of them with you. First, the kick in my backside, administered by Donald Trump, has propelled me toward the real Jesus, the one who's the diametrical opposite of Trumpism. (laughs) The one who speaks for himself from the red letters of the New Testament, in your hearts and in mine, and requires no theological interpretation. As I fixate on that powerful model for human behavior, I'm beginning to believe that the way of Jesus leads beyond Christianity. Way of Jesus leads beyond Christianity and also beyond capitalism and nationalism and militarism. The glimpses I'm starting to see of that new kind of place are of a delightful sort of heaven on earth where love is the only religion, selflessness is the governing ethic, and the giving of oneself just goes on and on. Second, that new kind of place, you know, it looks a lot like middle. (laughs) Middle is a verdant oasis of love, amidst the desert sands of selfishness and materialism, a place where unconditional acceptance and a very simple religion called love are proclaimed and practiced with joyous enthusiasm. I first visited Middle a little more than six months ago on January 6th, got the date circled on my calendar, after having run into Jackie and John on the West Coast and accepting their invitation to come and check it out. Here's part of the email I sent later that day to my entire network of friends and family. Email was titled, What I Did Today. I went to Capital C Church today for the first time in my life. Crazy talk, you say, Rod, you've been to church more than a 1,000 times in your 56 years. Yes, that's true. But I've never been to Capital C Church until today. It's a very different place, Capital C Church. It's a place where love, God's all-pervasive love, flows freely and unfettered, without any consideration as to who you are or what you believe. Jews and Buddhists and Muslims and atheists are there. Christians of all stripes and no stripes are there. Jesus freaks are there. Regardless of sexuality, race, ethnicity, or national origin, all there basking as one seamless human family in the incomparable soul-warming rays of Creator God. The capital C church I discovered today is Middle Collegiate Church, Jackie Lewis's incredible East Village congregation, and the experience was, for me, transcendent. The atmosphere was joyful, the welcome heartfelt, the music soaring and standing O-inducing. Thank you, John. The words inspiring, and yes, tear jerking. But any more specifics would be too many since words would fall short of reality. Suffice it to say that what made Middle Church a capital C church for me today was simply how profoundly, how perfectly, how faithfully it represented God to me. Love, period. The rest, as Jackie says, is just commentary. It was obviously love at first sight. And now it's been six months. Turns out it wasn't an infatuation, because everything <laughs> everything I said about Middle in that email six months on is still true and more. As I reflect, however, I can't help but believe that if anything can change the world, a place like Middle can. A movement like Revolutionary Love can. For those of you that haven't joined us already, come, join the movement. Come, change the world.
0: Rod, thank you so much. Thank you for taking the courage to make yourself known and seen here in this place. And thank you for allowing us to love you as you are. Friends, Middle Church is a movement of love and justice, and it takes each and every one of us to make that happen. It's not just us as clergy or a staff. It takes people in every walk of life in this place to be here. And today we get to celebrate our volunteers, each of you who over the course of the year has given of your time and your effort to carry on this work of helping people see the real Jesus and helping people who've been rejected to know that God swipes right on them, right? Amen. So um, there's a a slide up front, and it names all the different ways that people have been involved in ministry. And it's not just volunteering, it's really ministry, finding your ministry, finding your purpose and your call of service in this place. And uh, once I'm, I'm gonna read the category, and if you've done some area of work in that arena, I want you to stand so that we can recognize you. So if you've been involved in ministry to children, youth and young adults, please stand and remain standing. If you've been involved in administrative leadership and helping out with like the consistory or bulletins or announcements or anything like, yes, stand please. If you've been involved in education, a Bible study, or helping assist in a class in some way, a Bible study, a Lenten study. Yes, Wesley, I see you over there. If you've gone to to a rally or to the border or you're going to Puerto Rico youth, everybody stand up. And if you've assisted in music and worship in any capacity, if you've been an usher or a choir singer, yes, everybody. Yes, stand up. Friends, we could not do this work. This ministry of reframing and reshaping Christianity without each and every one of you. And for those of you who are sitting today, if you've not joined in the movement in this way and you want to take part in this work, we invite you to do it too. Uh, there will be an opportunity after worship um, to, to sign up, to join the movement uh, up here at front. And also for those of you who are standing, we will have a small gift for you after our congregational meeting. But we want to say on behalf of the, church, uh, the, on behalf of the clergy and our staff, thank you. We see you, you bless us, and you are the face and the hands and feet of God in the world. Thank you. You may be seated. And now I invite the ushers to come so that we can give up our time and our tithes right now.
8: Please pray with me. Love is love because love is aware. Love is aware when it feels love, and it is aware when it does not feel love. Lord, let our love be aware. Let our love be aware and listening to when it doesn't feel or receive love may it teach us to love in those places. May our awareness of the need for love call us to a harder, more determined, more giving, more nurturing, more action-based love. May our love tear down walls, open prison doors, take to the streets, and yes, throw a brick. Because love isn't all so easy, it's tough. But it is resilient love is love because humans are made equal with this transformational emotion thank god for this place in which love is love thank god for this place where all are welcome thank god for those in this place who make it all happen with their time their treasure and their boisterous love may we share it always May we praise you and our fellow human daily. May we celebrate loudly and with passionate love. Amen. Amen. My friends, if you would join me in your bulletin, this little light of mine.
9: Come on, middle.
2: A favor, would you sit for the benediction? Siéntate, por favor. Hi. Hey, everybody. Oh, my gosh. That was st- stunning. Amen? How about those homilies? Woo! How about those prayers? And how about that music? Woo! Okay. I'm going to benedict you. But first, I want to ask you to open your bulletin. Hi, Eric. I missed you. It's so good to see you. I'm going to call you all out every now and then. Hi, Ronnie. It's good to see you. (laughs) Um, So uh, on on the page, there's a page, the page in the middle that tells you about the offering goal with the temperature thing down at the bottom, the thermometer. Are you with me? You see it? It says we are at 91% of the year, and we are at... excuse me, 96% of the year, 91% of our goal. It says we have $63,000 more to raise. We have $50,000 more to raise. I say 50, not 63, 50. Why? Because you're killing it. Because we just raised $14,000 at the Wednesday event. Isn't that stunning? I want to tell you that we have an anonymous donor who is going to make a $10,000 gift if we make a $10,000 match. I say $10,000. And their aim is new donors and recurring donors and small donors. So people who think, no, my money doesn't matter, but could make $5 a week, or who could make $10 a week, who could make $50 a week. When you make a recurring donation like that, you plant seeds of love that keep on giving. Why is this an important thing? I don't love talking to you about money, but I love talking to you about middle. Middle is, does not run on air and prayer. <laughs> Hallelujah, but it does not. Air and prayer are not quite enough. The beautiful worship celebration that we had today runs on time and planning. John and Dion thinking about the music that will go. Rehearsal time, lights on at night. Uh, you don't pay my salary but you pay for my office. (laughs) The collegiate church pays my salary. Thinking, creating, putting all this together. When we have dance, when we have art, all of that, the exhibit over here that's beautiful, all of that takes time, takes staff time, takes money. When we protest, money. When we stand in the gap, money. When we write into the world, money. It takes resources for us to reframe and reclaim Christianity. Somebody say amen. amen. You yes your time but also your giving so i'm inviting you now if you've been thinking i don't know if they're going to need me yes we do we totally need you and we need you because word is bond we told the collegiate church that by 2022 we'll be paying half of our expense budget that's dos (laughs) anos proxima that's two more years right now our budget it's like a 2.4 million dollar budget, and we do 725 of the offering. Can you see the math there? We're not there. <laughs> so if we're going to get there because of our offering, because of our program rental, because of the way we use our building, we're going to probably be at 2.5 million dollars. Somebody do the math for me. What's half of 2.5 million? Say it loudly. 1.25 million dollars. We need to raise. Yeah good face you made. So we gotta get there, we gotta use our muscles, we gotta practice. So I'm inviting you now to, to go online, to make a recurring donation. I'm not telling you how much to give. You know your budget, and you know your heart. But I'm asking everybody to be a stakeholder in the ministry, amen? amen. Now the staff and I are having fun planning next year, right now, already. The board will meet in July, We always pass the budget and then have a party. So July 15th we'll be passing our next year's budget. We're gonna put that out in the world to you in the next couple of weeks so you can see what we're planning, so you can own what we're planning, so we can get feedback from you about what we're planning. But this year, this has already happened and we really need you to help us to get to the finish line. Will you help me get to the finish line? Help me get to the finish line? Help me get to the finish line. Help us get to the finish line. The work we do really does change lives. So thank you. And now, a blessing. May the God who created each of us in the most extraordinarily beautiful, perfect way. May the God who is known by many names, My favorite love, may love walk with you every day. May love hold you in their arms. May love be at the back of you and the front of you, guiding you, protecting you, keeping you, comforting you. And may you know peace that surpasses understanding. Amen. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody.
9: fundraising bake sale. The kids have made some...
2: There's amazing! My Get some cojito, get some flan, uh, get no job, no, but no, there's some stuff back there. Okay. Please Puckies. come back and support our There's that cojito? And wait, wait. Bertram's gonna tell you more.
0: So there's an amazing bake sale to help fund our mission to Puerto Rico just on the other side of this wall. There's also opportunities to buy merchandising for Pride, which we're celebrating all month, but especially next week. I hope that you can join us just on the other side of the wall. Also, if you're a volunteer, come forward and get your gift. And there is cake also to be purchased, or cake to be had after you purchase the bake sale. Makes sense to me. I hope you understand it too. We're so glad you're here. Love you.